This morning is one of those services and one of these messages where I'm not even sure where to start, certainly not sure where to wind up. But I just want to talk to you a little bit and just allow me to browse a little bit in the beginning. And yes, I will watch the time, but um, not necessarily do anything about it, but I'll watch it. <laughs> I'll, I'll feel condemned as it keeps circling. <laughs> but I've been, I've been studying about just the word name as it's used in Scripture because it's captivated my thinking uh, because God connects so much of who he is with that word and the way it's translated name. Sounds boring, doesn't it? But it has been anything but that, for me anyway. Because I realize that, once again, any language is going to be very weak in trying to translate the concept into one word. And many times the translators are confined by that because, you know, you, you can't carry a Bible this thick around with you. So some of it you just got to push together. But in the beginning, I, I found it very interesting that when God talks about what he's going to do on the earth, especially Old Testament, he doesn't say, I'm going to dwell there. He said, I'll cause my name to dwell there. And when you, when you realize that the, the words have to do with character, uh, the way you live your life, power, ability, it begins to expand your thinking just a little bit. But every time in the Old Testament where God uh, gave one of what we have called the names of God, he's trying to show Israel a facet of who he is. And not just Israel, but us as we come into the New Covenant, we can look back at that and say... His name, you know, his character is wonderful. He's the counselor. He's the prince of peace. He's Jehovah Rapha. He's Jehovah Jireh. He's Jehovah Nissi. He's on and on it goes. All of these are character facets of God. So when, he get, when we get into the New Testament and he wraps all that up into the name of Jesus, that's an amazing, amazing expansion of of kingdom, not just the kingdom, because this kingdom's already established and has no end. But it's not an expansion of the kingdom, but kingdom concepts that, that we can begin to grasp that what he was, he always is and always will be. And if he wraps it all up in Jesus, then all of a sudden you realize that everything God has said about him, himself, he says about Jesus. And then Jesus makes these amazing claims. He said, if you'll abide in that, if you'll, if you'll understand my name, if you'll abide in my name, then I will abide in you, but not just me, the Father will abide in you. In other words, every concept of God, when the Holy Spirit takes up residence in us, is there. Now, Maybe sometime I'll actually do the physical illustration, but just imagine if I were to have a big bowl with a small container in the middle of it and a large container of water, and I would begin to pour into that small container. That small container would not be able to contain all that was in the big container, but the bowl around it probably would. Nevertheless, if I continue to pour until the container is empty, 
that small container will experience everything that's in that big container. can't contain it, but it will experience it. And that's just a small illustration of what it is to be filled and then continue being baptized in the Holy Spirit. That all of who God is begins to come into our being. And the only way that we can continue to be filled and experience at some level all that he is is if we keep being filled. We're continually being filled. We don't, we don't look at it as a, as a one-time experience where we speak in tongues and then, then go around thinking highly of ourselves and, and that we're some kind of elite now because we have spoken in tongues. But we realize that this is just the beginning where God is going to, roll, he's going to pour through you and then surround you with all that he is. What an amazing thing. Why, why would we resist? Some people say, well, I have the Holy Spirit. Now, I know it, it gets to be just semantics, but the truth is, you don't. You might have been touched by him. You might have been filled by him, but you don't have him. It's like saying, God is in this place. Well, his presence manifests here often and always, but all of God's not in this place. Because he's in other churches around town too. Matter of fact, he surrounds the city and is in the city. And to experience all of him, we need to use what he's given us to draw more people in. Why? So that we can have a more full expression all the time of who he is. So as we begin to, begin to think of abiding, Jesus, Jesus said, abide in me. And all he's saying is, come alongside and embrace my, my character, my power, my ability, my expression. In, in, embrace me and, and be committed to that. Live in that. Be, begin to be committed to that. And if you abide in me, then I will abide in you. And my Father will abide in us. In other words, all of the fullness of God will be flowing and ebbing and moving and doing things all the way through the body of Christ. And I'm afraid that too many times we've thought if we, if we come on Sunday and we, we get a message that, that causes the little pitter-patter to go on inside and, and go out, that man, we've had an experience, we go out and we live the way we want to live the, until next Sunday and then show up again. And that's not the way it's intended at all. He intended that we come together and to celebrate who he is and celebrate what he does and to learn from one another and to express the fullness of who he is among ourselves and to talk about him and so on and so forth and to go out living what he has done in us. And I think that we really have been sidetracked by, by uh, the American idea of prosperity. Now, there is a godly prosperity. I don't ever want to take away from that. But the American idea of prosperity is that outside of the church building, everything you do has to do with your bank account and your standard of living. Now, that's really too bad. Because think what it would be in all of your relationships if the people that you were around experienced God through you. That they knew that they had been in the presence of something beyond the normal when they were with you. 
That even, even, the, even the teenagers, think of the teenagers around you that has these difficulties. They don't, they've never been taught that there's a reason to have life. They've never been taught that life means more than just the moment and that life means more than just what makes me feel good. But they, they have these extreme difficulties. What, what if they experience God through you, Eddie? It make a difference. Uh, what if, what if instead of instead of seeing you as as a uh, conquest of some sort, they saw you as somebody to come to that say, you know, show me the meaning of life. I sense that there's something in you. And people will ask these kind of things. What is it that makes you different? Well, what is it? What is it that makes you? I know you're going through some stuff. How are you okay? People will ask questions if we demonstrate God, and if we spill forth from our mouth things that are of God instead of things that are generated out of what problems we might be having in the world. It changes everything about the atmosphere around us. Yes, it will drive some people away because they they're really happy in their little unhappiness. But other people, it'll draw, draw them to you, and they'll be saying, well, what is it? How, how do you do this? So when we're talking about the touch of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit, and then the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so on and so forth, we're not talking about just an experience. We're talking about entering into a lifestyle that's going to change your very being. And if you haven't, begun to change on that level you probably haven't even had the experience yet you might be saved i i'm not that judge of that that's god but if if i don't see something happening that makes you live differently than before then i'm not convinced that you have experienced what god has for you to experience because and it's not necessarily that you didn't want him it's that you didn't understand what your heart was longing for and reaching for. Now, I'm going to go to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 28 and 29. Before we actually read the scripture, I just want to just tell you a little bit of what's going on previous to these two, two verses. Um, things pertaining to covenant. One of the things I wrestled with this week is how, how much do I want to say about covenant? Because it all is about covenant. It really is. And I realized that if I got too deep in that, I wouldn't have time to do anything else. So we're not going to get deeply into it, but we're going to, we're going to mention it. But uh, this, these verses that I'm going to read, they hold firm and fast with the Bible theme of covenant. And don't struggle with the word covenant. It's, it, in simpler terms, it just means the agreement. And for us, the agreement between God and Christ and Christ and us. It, it's very, it, very simple, if, unless you make it not so simple, which I'm prone to do from time to time. But the scriptures previous to verse 28 here, says it, talks, it emphasizes things like new, things like better, things like precious. And it, it's, it's comparing them to the old covenant experience. It's saying we, we have new promises, or, or better promises. It says, it says we, have, we, we have a new way of doing things. And, and honestly, using some modern terms, as modern as I know how to get it, more user-friendly uh, than it was in the Old Testament. But 
uh, the things beyond the earthly and the natural that we have better promises and that, that's promises of something that, that's beyond just what happens to us here on earth but we have promises of drawing us from earth into the eternal but doing it all in the same in the same dimension where we live in this dimension but we're aware in God's dimension and we're always asking God now how do we bring heaven to earth? Too much of the prayer time of Christians is used trying to figure out how I'm going to get to earth to heaven. But heaven's not way out there somewhere. It's, an, it's, a, it's God's dimension here, and God wants to talk to you about how to bring his will, his ways, his power, his authority, his character from his realm into this realm, and then he wants us to express it in the earth. God wants to talk to you about things more important than your bank account. He wants to talk to you about things more important than just your next job. Now, those things are important. But God's got more important things he wants you to talk about. And he wants to talk to you about. God wants to draw you into relationships that will give you opportunity to demonstrate his character. Now, hear me. Sometimes he'll take you back out of those relationships because the other person didn't listen. And puts you somewhere else talking with somebody else, interacting with somebody else. God will do these kind of things. I think too often we, we get overly invested in what God says today and we forgot to listen to him tomorrow. And we forget to listen to him the next day and we stay constantly engaged in today and today's already gone. It's become yesterday. And yes, he was, he was God of that. But if you want him alive and living, he's the God of today. So, so much of the church difficulties that we run across. I was talking with Jermaine uh, yesterday over, over in Quincy. Maybe it's Jermaine, maybe it's one of his guys that was running around there. But, but talking about how, how God's doing something current and real. And that we need, to, we need to engage with that and quit thinking about how it was. Now, I'm not, there's, Sandra, there's no direction toward those songs. I love those songs. That's, do them every Sunday if you want to. But the thing is that too often we try to live back there. Now, we can go back there and pick up some things that were born in the fire and use them and work with them, which there's a lot of those old songs that were born in the fire, and we need to use them and work with them. But if we go back and try to pick up the experience, we're always going to live in disappointment because that's not what God is doing. If we try to figure out what it's going to look like when God returns for his own and try to live there, we're going to live in disappointment all the time because he's not there yet. And he's, he's, he's preparing that, but he hasn't gotten you there yet, so you can't live in that. So when we, when we look at the things that preceded and the things that come with the new covenant, it's things like uh, better promises, the, the, the new, new agreement between God and man, the, the precious blood, not, not the blood of bulls and goats or the sacrifice even of, of Adam, but it is precious blood. It, it's a blood that, that nothing else... <clears throat> Nothing else could have, could have paid for. Those first two songs were talking about the blood of Jesus. And I'm telling you, if you ever get a concept of what he purchased for you with his blood, 
you won't look back. Everything will go well. And I'm not talking, when I say go well, I'm not talking about always be fun and games. But you will know that you're on a journey and that you're developing. And I hear people talk about, well, I, sometimes I just want to go back to the old ways. You know, let me tell you something. I was, I was a sinner among sinners. And I've never wanted to go back. Not one day in my life have I wanted to go back. Matter of fact, there's something so new and fresh in my soul that when I think of going, of, of the possibility of even thinking about it, something cringes inside of me saying, no, we don't go back there. Folks, when you begin to understand it, all of the idea of going back out into the sinning business will go away. But let me tell you something about the sinning business. You've been ruined for that anyway. You might go back there, but you'll never be comfortable in it. Why? Because the Holy Spirit took up residence in you. You're taking him into every activity. You're taking him into every relationship. You're taking him into every place that you go. You can't tie him up outside where he'll be comfortable until you come back to him. He's going in there with you, and he'll make you feel terrible about it. I love him, don't you? <laughs> now... Verses 28 and 29, therefore, because of this, since we receive a kingdom, understand that, we received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. Our God is a consuming fire. Now, I, again, I'm struggling with where to go. I'm not to have something to say, but where to go. This is, it emphasizes, previous to this, it emphasizes our part, and then even in these verses, it emphasizes our part. That you've received a kingdom. Now, if you know you've received it, then show gratitude. How do you do that? By offering him a service of worship. What did Paul say was a reasonable service? Your body. Your natural existence. Offer it up. Offer God. This is you, what you do. It, like we were trying to do this morning. And I, I'm so aware in these times that I'm trying. God, I really want to give myself 100% to you. I really do. But there's this, this war that goes on inside of me. But God, I realize also it's a process. But God... Here's where we, we go wrong. We think, well, I've got to get this cleaned up, and I've got to get that cleaned up, and I've got to get something else cleaned up, and then, God, I offer myself to you. God says, I want you just like you are, and I'll help you clean it up. He's not saying he'll leave you like you are. He's saying, I want you like you are. Don't try to clean anything up. Don't, don't try to make yourself presentable. Come on like you are, in your pajamas if you must. In your Walmart clothes. <laughs> Come on. And I'm going to take you and I, I'm going to teach you some things. And hey, he'll even teach you to dress. It's, it's not that he has a way that he wants you to dress. But he wants you to look presentable because you're representing him. Now, personally, I think camouflage is okay. Some people don't. But I think God likes it okay in some, in some uh Instances and situations. But here, here's what he says. Now, your part is to offer yourself. And then 
That first, there's a verse, there's a little phrase right above the verses I read that says, let me read it so you, if you go back and look at it, you'll recognize it. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. See to it that you don't refuse him. Understand that there's a process. Understand that there's a way that's not your way. Understand that he's so completely other than you that you can hardly recognize it at times. And he said, now see to it that you don't refuse him who is speaking. In other words, I'm going to talk to you about life. See to it that you don't refuse. See to it that you don't decide, well, I like my way and start to try to negotiate with God. American parents, most of them can be negotiated with. God don't negotiate. Well. (laughs) Uh, Who is speaking? Is it a voice from out there somewhere? No, it's the Holy Spirit. It's why we want to give ourselves to him. he says now as that we are now one spirit with him. We're, and it says now, 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 now the Lord is the spirit. And on and on it goes with New, New Testament language. He's speaking here in my dimension. Speaking from Father's dimension. But sometimes it seems so close as if he is speaking inside of me. And the more I learn to hear that voice speaking inside of me, the more I get to know him, and the more I begin to realize that his dimension is right here. His dimension is right here in my spirit, because now I have become one spirit with God. And that's why you get in so many problems when you, when you refuse to hear his voice and you think, well, I can just act like I don't hear it and go on about my life and everything will be okay. No. Everything will disrupt. Every, any, everything will blow up. Everything will, will begin to get really bad for you simply because you refuse to hear his voice. And he's not giving up. He, you can count on God being God all the time. Now, we go on from that. We're aware that the Holy Spirit, it says, will shake heaven and earth. And what that means is he's going to move rapidly. That, that shaking is not so much the shaking like, a, like an earthquake, but it's like a dog that's been in the mud. It shakes itself and gets some of the mud off. That, God, that the Holy Spirit will shake you like that. He'll cause everything to shake within you and around you because he's trying to get some stuff off you. It's not a real pretty picture, is it? But what's he trying to do? He's trying to get you to know God and to understand that if you follow God, that God has the best life possible available for you. And he's going to teach you your position, what you're to do, teach you how to operate in that, and you're going to be like those elders that I talked about earlier. Instead of saying, oh, all right, look at who I am, you're going to find yourself on your face before him, putting your authority at his feet and saying, God, I've messed things up so much that I just want to hear you. And I want to respond to you. I want to do what you have for me to do. And this is all part of walking with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, we show gratitude. We, we give praise by, by these things that was in the verses. Now, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us. 
To him be the glory in the church and Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now to him who is able to do far and above, exceedingly abundantly above anything that you ask or think. Consider that for just a moment. Consider it. That how, how many of you can think some big thoughts? Yeah, I can. He's able to do so far above that. Trent, that's what keeps me picking on you, buddy. I look at you and I think, man, that's not beyond what God can do. Walk and talk and shaking up your neighborhood because you're not rolling that thing down the street anymore. You're just walking down the street all healthy. Telling people, Jesus done this for me. Man, I'm telling you, I get in there and I think, and when I think that, Trent, I realize God's able to do even more than that. Think about it. Lenny, think about what he can do. That's what we're supposed to live in instead of thinking about what a nasty life we have and, and how, well, I, I deserve. I, I, I've earned more than what I have, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to have my fun. I'm gonna, I, I deserve more. Life hasn't given me. No, what about if life starts to give you what your heart desires? Well, what if, what if all of a sudden you're, you're in, the, in, a, in a conversation with somebody that has been given a few days to live with, with a terrible cancer and the Spirit of God comes on you and you, you're dreaming with God now. You're seeing that person healed and you're saying, can I pray for you? And without any fanfare, you just release the power of God and command that body to receive the Holy Spirit and to receive what God has for them. And they're instantly well. He can do exceedingly far above more than that. Sarah, I think of that concerning Bo often. God can do this thing. God can do this thing. And first, our, our thought is, well, why hasn't he? That's his business. My business is dreaming with God and realizing that he is so much bigger. Folks, unless you live in something of mystery, you're not living in God. If you can explain your God, then you've got a very small God. And if, if everything that you anticipate that God's going to do is all he does, then your God won't do much. But what can you dream? What can you envision? What, what can you allow him to bring into your mind to such a point that you begin to live day in and day out just thinking? I can, I can honestly tell you, and Trent, is it okay if I pick on you a little bit? Even when you're... Even if you're not here, man, I'm looking at that spot because that's where you always are. And Lenny, at that spot. Simply because you guys are there all the time. And I'm looking at it thinking, oh man, what a day it'll be. Well, what will it be when they're walking and talking and, and, and stepping lively and, and they, people look at them and say, aren't you this person? Yes, I am, but Jesus Man, I apply this across the board to those we're praying for. Joe, I sit and think about what... It, man, I'll embarrass you now, but this is a faithful man. Yeah. I've watched him for years, and I'm telling God, saying, God, what will it be like? He, he's, he don't show a lot, of, uh, a lot of emotion here, but I'm telling you, if he gets healed sitting right there, he probably know it, and we might get a hallelujah, amen. You, you never know. I, looking at my own nature, I might go glory yeah. <laughs> but the thing is God's the healer 
And every move of God, I've studied all of them that are on record throughout history, every move of God is marked by different things except for one thing. He always shows up with compassion and starts to heal people. Always. And I look at that and I'm thinking, yeah, we're seeing some heal, but God, how about a whole bunch more? How about people that, that just walk with you until they're not? That they just walk in health like Enoch. He, you know, it wasn't a big uh, baptism in the Holy Spirit service around Enoch. He just walked with God. And one day, they just went to God's house instead of his. He just was not. Man, I'd like for that to be my testimony. I just walked with God and then just was not. <laughs> He'd be looking for me for years. Follow your nose, you'll find it. <laughs> God is God. And we've not let him be in a lot of time. You know, think of Father's history throughout the Old Testament, how the enemies of, of God would come against his people. And God put up with it for a while, and then a lot of times with just a few men, he'd just wipe them out. There's a lot of people coming against the church right now across the world. Who knows what God will do? I'm standing away, not telling him what to do, but I'm praying, asking God, do something. God, deliver those Christians in Nigeria. A man that's a great friend of mine, he, you, you guys have met him, Glenn Middleton. He goes over there, and he goes right into the midst of all that stuff and wins people to Jesus. And, you know, if my friends are going to be in there, I'm going to be praying, God, do something to make them quit killing Christians in this country. God, do something to turn the politics toward you instead of away from you. And whatever that is, God, I'll leave that in your hands, but God, do something. And you know what? He listens to us. And we need to understand that, that when we begin to show forth His character, His will, and His way, that we can do things far beyond we ever thought we, ever thought we could do. Now, there's one last thing I want to talk about in and God doing something is one of the prophets said God's going to rebuild ancient ruins. You know, to me that has more depth of meaning than this going back and restoring old church buildings. Matter of fact, to me that don't even enter into the definition. To some it does, and that's up to them. How, how they work that out, that's up to them. But to me it means that people that look back in their history and say, you know, we've got, we've got a history of, of cancer in, in our family. We've got a history of, of diabetes in our family. We've got this and we've got that. I'm thinking God can go in there and restore those ancient ruins. I'm thinking he can go in there and restore that thought pattern that brought that stuff on and begin to teach us how to walk out of that. People that look and say, you know, it's really going to be hard for me to serve God because my family's always been a wicked family. I think God can restore that ruin. Amen. Let that be there. And let this be here. Because I've been born again. My genetics changed. The blood of Jesus changed that for me. You say, oh, you can't change genetics. Oh, yes, you can. And it's been proven scientifically. Not that science means all that much, but it has been proven scientifically. You can. It can be changed. How is it changed? By changing lifestyle. <laughs> Amazing, isn't it? Rebuild the ancient ruins. Now, Mark chapter 16, verse 17. 
These signs will accompany those who have believed. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues. You see how the how the it's punctuated there that in between believed and in and this one has a colon and other translations has a semicolon. In the original there was no English punctuation because there was no English. What it really says is these signs will accompany those who have believed in my name. Do you believe in the character of God? Do you believe in the power of God? Do you believe in the authority of God? Do you believe in the ability of God to heal and to save and to deliver? Those people that have said yes to this, you cast out demons. No big deal. Jesus said, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, See? It's not that big a thing. Well, what does it mean to be in his name? Believe in his character, his authority, his power, his ability, and who he is. If you do that, then you'll cast out demons. You'll, do, you'll speak with new tongues. And yes, that probably means in an unknown tongue as you begin to work with this. And we'll work with that more in another service. But mostly it means you're just going to talk different. I'm not going to go around bemoaning my, my family unit and how that is holding me into a life of death. I'm not going to walk around saying that I'll never be this and I'll never be that because I'm speaking with a new tongue. I'm going to be what God has designed me to be. And he's going to, he's going to teach me how to do it. He's going to walk with me. He's going to talk with me. He's going to help me. So when you look at Mark, think of You've got to think of the awe with which Mark wrote. I believe that's very important to understanding Mark. We, we do know that he was a common man. Some scholars think that he either served in some capacity as a servant in the Roman army or he might have actually been in the Roman army at one point. So this is a common man and he, he wrote in a common way and he was touched by the things that touch a common man. And when he's writing, I want you to think what he might have been thinking when he wrote this, that these signs shall accompany, because that accompany is a covenant term. It's a term that means this is the part of Father's agreement with us, is that these signs will be along with us. They'll be there. All we have to do is start trying to work it. These signs live beside us. They live around us. They live with us because these signs are in the presence of God. These miracles, they're here. But we've just waited for the TV evangelist to work that thing. We've just waited for the tent revivalists to work that thing. The big names, let them work that thing. Let them draw their crowd. No, it's not about any of that. It's about understanding that if you walk in the presence of God, the signs and wonders walk with you. Man, I, we're going to have some testimonies here soon again of, of things that people are, that it, God is doing with people. He's just doing it. And not necessarily, as a matter of fact, most of them is not happening because I'm praying for them. It's happening because you're praying for them. And it's amazing to me, not, not that that's happening, but that he's just God and he, he's keeping his word. And that covenant phrase, they're going to be with you. It's the greater house, God, committing to the lesser house, saying, if you walk with me and learn from me, I'm going to have this ability, this power around you, available to you. So I don't care if you're working it or not. It's there. 
if he indwells you and you sense his presence around you and you sense his manifestation of presence in the, in the, in the gathering, if, if that's all true, signs and wonders are right there. The power to work it, the ability, the inherent ability is there. Take a chance on God. What have you got to lose? Pray for a hundred. Maybe two will get healed. Or maybe 98 will get healed. Work the numbers. God said that to me years ago. I'd say, God, we're not seeing very many people healed. And he said, how many people are you praying for? Well, (laughs) those that called me to the hospital. He said said it. I heard it. Work the numbers. And ever since then, I've been working the numbers. Man, I'll pray for you at the drop of a hat. And whether you drop the hat or not, I'll drop it and pray for you. God wants us to begin to work this way and to act this way. We have the power to accomplish. That's what this presence is all about. It's not just to bless me. It's to demonstrate the nature of God on the earth. Now, John chapter 16, verses 13 through 15, and I am wrapping it up. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he'll take a mine and will disclose it to you. One more. I'll leave it up there behind me. They'll get it there. they just leave it up there behind me. All things that Father has are mine. Jesus speaking here. Therefore I said he takes what of mine and will disclose it to you. In other words, all things that are of the Father is available to be disclosed to you. If what? If you receive this covenant representative called the Holy Spirit, you receive him. Allow him to indwell you. Allow him to empower you. Allow him to baptize you. If you'll do that, then everything that, has, that is of God is available to you. My Lord, I wish people would live like this. When he comes, has he come? Has he? Some of you act like you're not sure. If you're not, hey, we can fix that. He will guide you into all truth. Now, this is important. Truth about what? Truth about doctrine, so you can argue about who believes what. Truth about which denomination is going to be in heaven and which ones are not. Truth about God and truth about you. That's what's important. He'll guide you into all of that. And I tell you, if you think you understand it all, you don't yet know God. Because you get right out there. I mean, you get to where you think, man, I'm getting this. And then he gives you a revelation of himself and he's so completely other than you that you realize you can't reach him yet. God has, it's about me being my part of what God has for the earth. And that's why it's so important for us to come together and begin to work together and believe together. When he comes, he'll guide you into all truth. Truth about God, truth about your past, truth about your genetics, and he'll begin based on obedience. I want to bear down on that, and then we'll pray and I'll let you go. What, What do I mean based on obedience? The Bible says that 
When Jesus came into the gathering of the disciples after they had come back together and they had already seen him and, and they were kind of convinced, it said he breathed on them and said, Receive you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came in them. They, they had operated under Old Covenant until the New Covenant was established. Read from John chapter 13 all the way to the end and, and just see what John is trying to unfold about New Covenant there. It's amazing. But he came in and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, as I look across the congregation, I would say that a large portion of us are, are born again and have received the Holy Spirit on that level. But then he said to the same guys, I want you to go to Jerusalem and stay there until the promise of the Father comes on you. That's the obedience part. He's saying, this is not all there is. Now, folks, I want to tell you, a lot, of, a lot of the time over the past hundred years, the church has told people, just follow Jesus and everything will be okay. Guess what? Those disciples had followed Jesus all the way through his ministry and everything was not okay. But when that sound came from heaven and it began to fill them and to, and to burn in them and to blow in them and to cause them to speak differently, when that happened, things started to get okay. They began to represent the kingdom of God on the earth and they began to change their world with what happened to them right there. Yeah, they used all the knowledge they had gained from walking with Jesus, but everything was not okay with them until they had that second experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. The obedience of, of just waiting until that happened. Now some of you say, well, I'm not sure it has happened. Well, then it probably hasn't. Sometimes we do need to wait. It's not because God is waiting. It's because you're trying to work through your mental blocks. But be obedient. Hang on, hang out, and wait until you know that you've been touched that you've been filled, that you've been baptized. And we'll talk about it more next Sunday, and I'm not sure exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm considering this. We, at some point, we're going to have a panel of people that, has, that God has baptized in the Holy Spirit and let them talk for five or ten minutes about how it changed their life. Maybe next Sunday. I don't know. But we're going to talk about it. And God, God told me to preach this message. And then he said, Real soon now, we're going to quit talking about it and do it. <laughs> so we're being obedient and hanging in here until he says, all right, now gather, it's time. And there's going to be one of these Sunday mornings when for some of you there's going to be a sound from heaven that's going to fill you. And you'll be aware of the wind of God blowing. Those of you that follow the, uh, the move and the ways of the Spirit, I guarantee you Joy could talk about this. LaRoyce could talk about this. Many of you could talk about it. But it, there's something starts to happen on the inside. And at first you're saying, oh, that's, that's just me. And then it gets, gets more intense and more intense. And you realize it's not just me. And you're saying, but God, I'm not. I'm not. And then about the third time you say, I'm not, you realize I got to. That wind of God is blowing blowing in you he's blowing in you he's blowing in you and he's not giving up and what you begin to say from that moment is new to you it's something you don't say all the time you're speaking with a new tongue sometimes it's where people can understand it sometimes it's where they can't but you're using something out of the realm of the spirit and you're talking differently for some of you it'll clean up your language <laughs> and for some of you it'll just clean up your life but the truth is it'll do something 
because it changes us from the inside and it begins to come out and when it starts to come out it affects people around us and my goodness there's some so many places I could go from here but I think I hear God saying stop <laughs> so or was that you Sammy somebody said stop <laughs> <laughs> father we thank you <laughs> oh God I'm glad you got a sense of humor I'm reminded of it every morning father when I look in the mirror <laughs> thank you God for what you do in us and how you help us. God, I just want to serve you. But Lord, I don't want to serve you as a servant. I want to serve your kingdom as a son. Help me to know the difference. God, I love you. And I, I want to know how to love you more. Teach us, God, to walk in your ways and to bear your name. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you for coming.